Our reading today is from John chapter 18, verses 1 to 14. After saying these things, Jesus crossed the Kidron Ravine with his disciples and entered a grove of olive trees. Judas the betrayer knew this place, for Jesus had gone there many times with his disciples. The chief priests and Pharisees had given Judas a squad of soldiers and police to accompany him. Now, with blazing torches, lanterns and weapons, they arrived at the olive grove. Jesus fully realised all that was going to happen to him. Stepping forward to meet them, he asked, Whom are you looking for? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. And as he said it, they all fell backwards to the ground. Once more he asked them, Whom are you searching for? And again they replied, Jesus of Nazareth. I told you I am he, Jesus said, and since I am the one you're after, let these others go. He did this to carry out the prophecy he had just made. I have not lost a single one of those you gave me. Then Simon Peter drew a sword and slashed off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest's servant. But Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword away. Shall I not drink from the cup the Father has given me? So the Jewish police, with the soldiers and their lieutenant, arrested Jesus and tied him. First they took him to Annas, the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who told the other Jewish leaders, better that one should die for all. The car screeched to a halt and the van behind them opened, spewing out gun-toting riot police. You know it's serious because of the manpower and the gunpower on show. You think to yourself, this must be a hard-bitten criminal, maybe a drugs lord or the leader of a terrorist network. But then they come out with a little old lady walking with a Zimmer frame. It doesn't make any sense. Have they got the wrong person? Did they go to the wrong address? There must be some mistake. Of course, in some countries of the world, she would be arrested maybe for distributing literature against the government. If she was from Hong Kong and had grown up with freedom only to see it curtailed by the Chinese in the 25 years since it took over power there, you can well understand it. So anti their restrictions is she that she's been leading an underground resistance movement. So intent is she on regaining her freedom that she's willing to face even jail in her final years. Well, here in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is unexpectedly arrested by a squad of soldiers and police. Chief priests and Pharisees have successfully convinced the Romans that Jesus is a security threat. Otherwise, the Romans would never have allowed their forces to go on this heavenly armed night exercise. And Judas is leading them. Amazing, isn't it? Judas, who saw Jesus turn water into wine who was there at the feeding of the 5,000 and witnessed Jesus walking on water, who was there when others turned away from following Jesus and when Peter said that they wouldn't leave because you have the words of eternal life. Judas wasn't complaining then. Neither did he kick up a fuss when Jesus healed a man born blind and raised Lazarus from the dead. But something in his heart has turned, or been turned, by Satan the accuser. Well, Judas's task is now accomplished his betrayal complete. This is the last time Judas is mentioned in John's Gospel. John has nothing more to say about him, which of course says a lot about him. Well, as Judas comes with this armed gang, 
Jesus doesn't hide. He has no reason to. His hour has come, the time for him to suffer, die and rise again. John doesn't give us any of the agony of Gethsemane. Rather, he portrays Jesus as being ready to shine his light in the darkness, the light of his truth in the darkness of this night and the darkness of their hearts. And though it will look like the darkness has snuffed out the light, he will prove what John said back in chapter one. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The unique part of this story that John tells us is with the soldiers recoiling and falling over when Jesus says that he's the one they're looking for. But it's more than just a simple, it's me, I'm the one you're looking for. For John, that saying I am is significant. There have been a number of I am sayings in his gospel. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth and the life. And the significance of these is that I am is what God revealed his name to be in the Old Testament. Yahweh, I am. No wonder they recoiled. They were coming face to face with the living God. And Jesus offers no resistance to their arrest. It's not that he's done a quick calculation of the numbers of soldiers and police and worked out that they're young enough and fit enough to catch him if he runs. It's not that he's looked at the numbers of weapons and has worked out that he has a Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid chance of escaping. In other words, none. Jesus knows what he's doing. He knows what's coming and he knows why he must die. That's why Peter's act of resistance is so unwelcome, so unnecessary. Jesus has just prayed a high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, and now he's arrested and taken to Annas, the senior member of the high priestly family. His son-in-law Caiaphas is also there. And John reminds us what Caiaphas said back in chapter 11. Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. Well, indeed, and so he will. But Jesus' death won't be better because of its political expediency, because it gets the Romans off their back. It's better because in dying for us, in dying for the people, Jesus dies to win our pardon and our peace with God. Something that Caiaphas couldn't see, but Jesus could. Now the book of Genesis starts with the words, in the beginning, God. And John has echoed this as he began his gospel with these words, in the beginning was the word. In other words, John is presenting us with a new beginning, a new creation, a new Adam, a new man to reverse the fall of the first Adam. And now we see here, at this point, the true Israelite, the true high priest, the true Adam being sent to his death by the false ones so that the garden can be restored, the relationship between God and humanity restored. Jesus knows that's what he's come to do and he's ready for it. Well, as we go through this day, this week, reflecting on Jesus' passion, his suffering, we remember that he came to bring our healing, our forgiveness and to win our future hope. In the worries of today's conflicts and concerns of which there are many, we rejoice that we have a saviour who is not thrown by the world's turmoil, but will come into it with his salvation, his peace, his hope and his love. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we 
praise and thank you that though you were arrested in the garden, your work was not stopped. Your work of salvation, your work of bringing forgiveness, healing and hope. And we thank you that they are still on offer for all who turn to you today. And so we turn to you today, trusting you in the circumstances of our lives, knowing that you are our saviour and we praise you for it. We pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. Have a great day. Mm -hmm.